everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Anthony's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. I'm about to watch some Sunday night Mets baseball. So and, not by, really. and by watch, we mean put on TV, mute, and turn on the radio, of course. Yup. Get hyped. Get hyped. <laughs> There's zero chance I listen to any part of this broadcast. Are you telling me you don't want to listen to A-Rod? Mm-mm. I don't. Alternate dimension Mets owner, A-Rod. Oh, no. Would he still be doing the game? Because I hope yes. Probably. <laughs> I would he's so. just, just biasly announcing a game that of a team that he owns. <laughs> he just He's like, hold on, guys, one second. He leaves the booth, he f- fires the GM and manager. <laughs> <laughs> Can Man, I really think the Mets need to change X. Hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think they should go to a lefty here. He just puts himself on mute. The lefty comes in. Wow, really good move by... Uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to stay awake through this game. I'm, like, exhausted today for reasons. Yeah, I hear you. My vibe will apologize in advance. My voice is kind of screwed up, but... Uh, you know, dedication. We need to do this podcast for uh-huh. all of our all of our listener out there. Listener. <laughs> well, what's Ringo gonna do on his like morning commute? Exactly. He needs something He's to do. Be, he'd be furious. Yeah, I don't blame him. All right. So for promote extend trade this week, uh, on this date back in 1957, Walter O'Malley he met with officials from the city of Los Angeles, and they basically told him that they'd give him. Um, the land around Chavez Ravine. And, uh, you know, if he, if he agreed to bring a ball club, then he did. So we're going to have a modified promote extend trade this week. Uh, Thomas, you are uh, another Brooklyn boy, so you probably get yeah. this. So promote extend trade this week. You are in a room with Walter O'Malley, Adolf Hitler, and Joseph Stalin. Oh, you have, you have a gun with two bullets. Who is uh who is getting traded? Is traded what's traded in this context? Killed. Okay. You get I, I can't look. This t- this took a turn. <laughs> the Dodgers should still be here. But I can't let Hitler and or Stalin survive. <laughs> In good an option conscience. to shoot Toby twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, the real answer is you line all three up. <laughs> One bullet. Oh. You really need to test this. Merit yeah, well, 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 that depends on the caliber of the gun, right? That's is, true. Is, yeah, but if, like a little assuming shooter? if we're it's in America, we could get any type. So oh, also very true. true. I mean, if Steve's giving us like a wimpy little pea shooter, we're not gonna have any penetrance. If Steve somehow has like a Desert Eagle line around, oh, <laughs> one bullet, we're done. Listen, this is America. Like he said, we can get anything. I'm sorry, want. I thought this was America. <laughs> you want a bazooka? You get a bazooka. All right, that's not really a bullet anymore. <laughs> Listen, not according to the Second Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> From complex to America. Uh huh. Wow. Well, yeah, the correct answer would be to kill everybody, so that works. The technical I like line answer. Them up. Line yeah, them up. yeah, that is a good one. The technical answer though would be to shoot Walter O'Malley twice. Uh huh. <laughs> right. That's the, the Toby in this situation. 
All right. Um, so let's move on now to the way to early draft updates. And we're about halfway or so through the high school and college seasons. And industry sources are kind of getting a clearer picture about, you know, how players have performed and who's doing what and what teams like who. And we're starting to get some mock drafts from reputable sources out there. So Baseball America, um, they had one. Uh, this week, and Carlos Colazo is right now projecting the Mets to pick Gunnar Hogland, who is a right-handed pitcher from Ole Miss. And over at MLB Prospect Pipeline, Jonathan Mayo, he is projecting the Mets to pick Ryan Cusick, a right-handed pitcher from Wake Forest University. Uh, honestly, I'm not too excited about either one of those guys. I don't know. Neither I, one of them yeah. feel like flashy enough. You know what I mean? Both of those choices are extraordinarily um, meh. Yeah, like the, if the Mets took either one of them, I wouldn't be annoyed necessarily, but both guys are just kind of like, eh, like you want something better at 10. Yeah. I guess of the two of those guys, I prefer Cusick because he throws harder. He reaches Ho- like Hogland's got a great name there, though. He it's does, like yeah, that's Hogland. the thing. Yeah, I, I, we could work with that. He's also had some injury history, so that also is a little concerning. But maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, we still we still have like a month and a half, two months, whatever, of baseball to go. So mm. we'll see. I also feel like most mocks uh, just assume the Mets are going to choose another college polished starter. It's like the yeah. stereotype as long as I can remember. Like the Mets always like college starters, so we'll go here. Yeah, I mean, both both those mocks had uh, House going to the Orioles, and I think Castillo was gone in both of them as well. Was he gone in the MLB? No, one no. of them he was at like twelve, I think, or thirteen. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I. I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about our. Questions about Del Castillo. I don't think I'd take either of these pitchers over him still. No, I would not. All right, well, let's talk about our guys now. And my guy, Judd Fabian, he went uh, in four games. He went 6 of 14 with a double, three home runs, five walks, and get this, one strikeout. Only one. One strikeout. Baby. Wow. What's his strikeout <laughs> rate on the season now, Steve? Uh-oh. On the season, it's actually not that bad. Well, for the for for the season right now, he's hitting two sixty seven, three seventy two, seven sixty four, and that's with sixteen homers. And the walkout to strike ratio is not really that bad. It's basically two to one. He has twenty seven walks and fifty five strikeouts, which is not terrible. You know, it's manageable, and it's a lot better than it was like a month ago. But despite that, in both of those aforementioned mock drafts, um, Fabian fell out of the first round in both of them. Nobody thinks that he's a first rounder right now. But for what it's worth, uh, the Mets' second pick is at 46, and those drafts, um, the one that goes further, the MLB one, they're projecting Fabian at 49 right now. So maybe he could get drafted by the Mets, but in the second round, maybe. That would be pretty cool. That would actually be like a massive, I think, steal if that did somehow sure. happen. 
But, you know, if he keeps hitting like he did this week, then I think his name might start getting uh, bandied around again in the first round discussion. Speaking of bona fide first rounders, how did Brady House do this week? So they had a doubleheader on the 29th, and I'm just, what day of the week? That was a Thursday, I think. If I know the dates correctly. Um, no stats for the second game, but he had two hits in the first with a double a run. Just not a lot of game action this week. It's just not, not much more, not, not a lot more we could say in terms of superlatives for House at this point. Like he's unfortunately probably played his way out of the Mets range, um, at this point. Uh, and the fact that both of these mocks have him going to the Orioles kind of speaks to perhaps that's the the whispering about who the Orioles are zeroing in on. So I'm no longer particularly optimistic he's going to be on the board when the Mets uh, come up at 10. Well, if he's going to the Orioles, maybe he'll say, I don't want to do myself for the next seven years. I don't want to sign with you. Someone else, please. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Help. Uh, Thomas, how was Andrew Painter this week? So Andrew Painter, the last time he pitched from what I see is, because I'm going to go through the, the box scores one more time just to check, was the 22nd because they've been in the playoffs now because they started so early because he's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw six no-hit innings on the 22nd, striking out 14, 13 and walking four, and they won 2-1 to one in a combined no-hitter. Um, yes, they gave up a run in a combined no-hitter. In the sixth inning, someone came in, hit someone, walked three, and then got yanked. And then I'm assuming there was a strikeout and then an out. So they got out of the bases loaded jam with not giving up a hit. And then after that, on the 27th, someone else pitched a complete game. No hitter, actually. Yeah, someone pitched a complete game, no hitter. So, so someone threw a no hitter. And um, on the 29th, they won 10 nothing and... I don't think they wait. Oh no, he did pitch. He pitched in the ten nothing game. He gave up no. He gave up uh, two hits in five in, in five innings and struck out thirteen and walked one in a ten nothing win in the regional final in, in, in the division final. So they're in the regional now, which is on the sixth. So he's just dominant. Like no one touches him. And honestly, this team is incredible. <laughs> they just keep like they just outpitch everyone really. Honestly, one of the weirdest things, one of the craziest things, you're talking about throwing multiple no-hitters in a week and everything. One of the craziest things to me is like, oh, you're in regionals in May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the end of April, yeah. really. Freaking they threw crazy. two no-hitters back-to-back. They didn't give up a hit in back-to-back games and gave up two runs. I so, feel like that's something that could work well with the Mets. He can I mean, continue <laughs> applying that well here. He almost got DeGromed in the 2-1 win on the 22nd because he pitched, he didn't even get the win. Someone else did because he came out and they scored. So their next game is a regional quarterfinal. And I'm assuming I could see him pitching that because it's six days after the last game. But also yeah. they might want to save him because the team is 8-17-1. So they might just want to save him and pitch someone else. So I don't know, but... I'll keep, we'll look and be updated. Yep. But yeah, that's how it's going for him. He struck out like 30 people in the last two outings and has given up two hits. I don't play. 
he he seems to get a little walk heavy sometimes, but I wonder if that's just him trying to get people to like swing at pitches out of the zone, like curveballs and stuff, and they're just not doing it because they don't want he's just fooling them. I mean, after a while, if you're just that dominant, you must get bored and start just yeah around yeah. at some point. Yeah, like he could be working on pitches too and walking dudes because it doesn't really matter. Like once he's in crunch time, he could just throw whatever he's been throwing. Ken, how is Adrian Del Castillo? Uh, it's been another down week. Um, you know, like, still very consistent, um, but everything's down about 10 points. He's at um, 293, 393, 442 for the season. And um, in his last four games, he is three for 15. So, um, the power still hasn't come along, just kind of hitting mostly for average. Um, so, yeah, pretty much even to slightly below. And um, I think he's more likely to go in the bottom half of the first round now. Simply yeah. trade back and get him. <laughs> it's just odd that a guy that was so hyped. Yeah. It's just, again, not really struggling, because it's not really struggling, but just not performing to expectations, I guess is the better way to put it, without no real noticeable change in anything. Yeah. It's 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 a little odd. I mean, it um, happens, but... And I, I... I mean, like like I just said, I despite the... First of all, I think I was the person who's been lowest on him the whole time due to the lack of power. Uh, and I still don't get why they would take either of the pitchers, pitchers that they've been mocked over Del Castillo, even with the struggles. Yeah, me neither. I would, I, if that's what we're looking at, I would take him instead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's still got about I mean, another month or so. The, I still of, think the power is in there. Like, he's he's below, well below his career norms. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't even, we could probably have a longer debate about that point. I don't know that I have a particularly strong take on it, but even as is, I'd prefer him to uh, control over stuff righty or uh, another righty who can't throw a strike. Which is what the Mets are being mocked right now. Just because they have a reputation for liking college starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, I like you said, I would definitely go with him over them. Just because you know inside there somewhere, whatever it is that's just kind of causing this kind of power drought and, and, and extended slump that he's in right now with that, it's in there somewhere. <clears throat> I wonder if... I haven't watched him enough to see, like, if you could unlock some of it, um, the power. And But do you really want to do that with your first-round pick? Like, take a guy you got to immediately fix, you know? But, I mean, they did that with Pete because Pete's swing was totally different in college, and here we are. He's a good first baseman now. So he was also a second-round pick. Still, but still similar. Yeah, you, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't, I don't want to call it a project because that's harsh, but – you're probably going to have to change whatever the guy comes with anyway because... He's going to have to, you know, develop some type of, like, mechanism to get into the power, you know? Well, yeah, I, and I wonder if 
like the Mets see that or not. Like I don't know what they what they even look for in any of things like that. So it'll be my, curious. My argument is that once you're into this range of the draft, like there's a there's usually a first tier, and then when you're in that second tier, everyone usually has yes, one yes, flaw. Yes, yes. So I I don't worry too much about the idea of having something to fix. There are certain things I'm less willing to try and fix than others. Um, but 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 the idea that okay we gotta mess with your swing a little bit to fix X Y and Z it's like okay well that's everyone we draft here. We yeah. just had the NFL draft where it's like the first three rounds are contributors right away. Right. <laughs> and then, so, it's so like, like I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of in the mode where like tenth overall should be a star but uh-huh. like that's just not how baseball works. Tenth overall gets you Justin Fields apparently because yeah. <laughs> NFL teams are just mind-bogglingly stupid. <laughs> so like it's it's just funny to see the differences like really in there like as we're talking because you're right like the 10 spot is a spot where you're gonna have to do some work with the guy to get them to where he needs to be well of all of these guys that we've picked and then discussed i think del castillo is the most intriguing just based on everything that's been going on and expectations and what's happened Oh yeah, the most interesting story of of everybody. <clears throat> it's it's really interesting that what's happened to him so far this year. What year is he in college? Is he a senior? A junior, I think. He's a junior. A junior, okay. Because I'm trying to think of his age too, but he's not too old. Oh, he's technically a sophomore because they gave it. Oh, okay. He's a, a year got you, back. got you, got you, got you. Okay. He's a COVID sophomore. All right, so. Um, normally we would do our CPBL, KBO, NPD update, but unfortunately just going to have to skip over that this week because uh, I was not around, you know, Friday and Saturday to, and then I got home pretty late on Sunday to even look up and recap anything. So we'll get back to that next week. Going to do a two week one next week? Uh no 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 just oh we're just gonna we're gonna vibe into it we'll just pretend this week never happened (laughs) yeah uh rain out guys it's just pouring all over everywhere monsoon season actually does start soon (laughs) exactly there so (laughs) maybe it came a little early who knows all right so we have a little bit of roster news Mets minor league roster news to discuss this week uh first is a pair of signings, really one signing and then one uh, waiver claim. So the signing that the Mets made was inking right-handed reliever Bradley Roney to a minor league contract. He was drafted by the Braves out of the University of Southern Mississippi 2014. He worked his way up through their system. He didn't make it to the majors, though. Then he became a free agent last year. He signed with the Diamondbacks, and then they released him at the end of March after spring training. Um very relieverish guy, uh, you know, fastball sits in the mid-90s, pretty good uh, arm side um, movement on it because his delivery, you know, three-quarter arm slot, very flicky mechanics, um, complements it with uh, a slurve and a circle change, and same thing, they both have a decent amount of movement because of the arm slot and, and the mechanics, um, but command is subpar the the delivery it's kind of high energy there's a lot of movement and the pitches they just seem to have like a natural 
high spin rate and they move. So he has a career 12.7 strikeout per nine rate over the course of his minor league career and a cumulative 6.3 walk per nine rate. So not great. Not great. Two no, true outcomes. <laughs> yeah, the strikes rider walks you. Uh, most of his professional innings were in double A and then triple A, so he's probably going to go to the Syracuse bullpen, I guess. Yeah, I would assume so. Very Carlos Marmol of him, you know, that kind of. Oh, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. Uh, Steve, I'm an infinite repository of useless facts and tidbits. He does seem Carlos Mar- Marmolian, though, so yeah. Difference is Marmol did that. It was able to limit that enough to be effective as a major leaguer for a couple seasons at least. Yes. This, uh, this fellow, no, not yet. Honestly, if someone strikes out that many dudes, you probably sign them anyway. It's free. Yeah, I mean, guys like that, that, you know, you, it, it's always a gamble and. Yeah. And then the other guy that they got, uh, the guy that they picked off of waivers is Davey Gruyon, who's a catcher, and they claimed him from waivers off of Tampa Bay. He was originally signed by the Phillies as an international free agent in 2012, and then he worked his way up through their system. He won a couple of all-star nominations. He won the 2018 Eastern League Home Run Derby, and he got ranked on some Phillies top prospect lists by uh, a couple of major publications. Uh, 2019, September, he got a a Major League Cup of Coffee, and the Phillies DFA'd him in 2020, and Boston picked him up, and he spent a little bit of time there at the end of the the 2020 season. Um, Then Cincinnati claimed him off of waivers over the winter, and then they gave him up when they needed to make roster space, so Tampa claimed him, and then they DFA'd him last week, and now he's a Met. So in the last, like, two years, this guy's been a lot of places. But he's actually a kind of intriguing player. He is their third best catcher. Yeah, yeah it's kind of sad. He is immediately better than Patrick Mazeka. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean like it's not that it, hard. It, it it sounds like ridiculous, but if someone gets hurt, I'd rather him be up behind you oh. than anyone else they have. So absolutely, he has uh, like some pop he could throw. Fine. Yeah, behind like, the plate, he has a strong arm. It's accurate. He's you know pretty good at. Blocking pitches, he's mobile, he frames pitches all right. Um, at the plate, you know, he's a little less impressive, but he's not exactly a defense-first catcher either. He he does have some pop, like you said. In, in 2018, he had 21 homers in uh, Reading, and he hit 21 homers again in 2019 in Lehigh Valley. And you can't completely write off that many homers, like they're nothing. But yeah, no, you don't this, hit that many this, homers with back. The stadium in, in Reading, it's very hitter-friendly. And then 2019, we had that whole weirdness with the new International League ball. So you can't ignore all 20 homers. Maybe you could subtract a few. But even if you subtract a few, that's still mid-double-digit mm-hmm. home run power, which is, you know. And he's great. only 25, so. Yeah. He's like, uh, he also still has options, which makes his mm-hmm. passing around yeah. very odd to me. Yep. He's like, uh, uh, Mike Zanino on a budget, basically. Yeah, that's good. That's Full side right handed pop and some good, and some, I mean, not Zunino's level of defense, but, but yeah. probably good. He features as a Mike Zunino, jeez. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. But like, there's, even there's then, that's how dis- catcher is, so. Yeah. There seems to be a little disagreement about his defense, because, 
the scouting reports say it's been good. Um, but BP's catching metrics for the minor leagues, which are admittedly not, not as accurate as the major league model, uh, aren't, uh, weren't as positive the last time we had a lot of data. So I don't know how good the framing is, yeah. but the other aspects he's good at. Um, I know he has a cannon. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot easier to, to scout. And the, the fact that, I mean, First of all, the fact that he's getting passed around like this really highlights the question again of what why the, the fuck is Patrick Mazeka still on the 40 man? He questions we have I no don't know, man. To. They they are high on him. He's, you know, a good organizational guy and they like him, but I I don't think that that can justify a spot on the roster. The, the, fa- the fact that they risked losing Kilame instead of risking losing Mazeka is, is was frightening. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they were really, really scared about. I mean, he's not a catcher. I just want to say that right now, right. Mazeka. But I wonder if they were just like, "Oh, we really can't be this thin at catcher," and then claiming someone like Garyon like helps. You know what I mean? Like that's the only thing I could think of is that they were so worried about their catching depth, but. He sucks and he can't catch. So it doesn't really matter that he's that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, it, it, does depth matter if the depth is bad? Is is the? I mean, it's like the classic versatile uh, uh, defender or uh, utility guy. Yeah, he can play lots of positions badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, but so so is that is that actually helpful? Yeah, it's like when when Jonathan VR signed and they were like he could play the outfield. It's like well, he could stand there. Can it's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how good of an outfielder he actually is. But, like, that's a different example because he's probably better in the outfield than someone like Mazeka is a catcher. But I'm just saying that as a broad example. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. My, he might be on his way out soon because now they have a catcher and then they have Caleb Joseph still and they have Bruce Maxwell still. So he should be pretty decently down the catcher depth chart now that they I should feel totally, comfortable. I totally forgot about Caleb Joseph. How could you forget about noted catching extraordinaire Caleb Joseph. Yeah. Who's like sounds 35. Like catch- sounds like a catcher's name. That's the most catcher name ever. <laughs> so yeah, Kroyan is is intriguing. Uh, really the only major flaw is that he can't hit. But if you had a catcher that had solid pop, above average Average to above average yeah. defense and could hit, he'd be like a, a national Tosh prospect. So yeah. obviously he can't <laughs> hit, you know. So, exactly. So like, it's if a good he hits combination like of skills that he has. One ninety with pop and plays defense, he could be a backup catcher for a while. So, mm-hmm. which is depressing, but that's the state of it. So. And and you know hopefully James McCann um, becomes a oh, don't get perennial All Star. Please don't get Thomas started on James McCann. He's not good. Here we go. That's all I gotta oh, yeah. say. All right. Well. <laughs> I I just want to say I've never seen two runs score on a pass ball. That was <laughs> bad. <laughs> not even like a really bad pass ball. Like like it not was even like a bad pitch. <laughs> It just like hit off his wrist, like. (laughs) Yeah. So now, in defense, this like the fact that it was a pass ball was James McCann's fault. The second run really wasn't. Like that was just unlucky that it hit off the umpire. 
that shit happened. Is that what happened? Yeah, because I haven't seen a replay. It hit off yeah, the umpire. He like, he like missed it inside, and then it hit off the umpire's leg and went the opposite way. Oh, you would. That's expect. why it bounced like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like one run, his fault. The second run is like, well, baseball. Yeah, that was that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he whiffed on the pitch in the air. Yes. No. No. That's no. my bigger problem. It was, yeah, it was his his position that. is called catcher. Listen, there's n- nowhere to go but up from here. So I mean, you're not wrong. Blue skies he has a good ahead. Arm. Blue skies he has ahead. A good arm. He has great pop time. All right, so the season is about to begin. Minor league season is about to begin, um, and it is time for one of my favorite things: minor league predictions. Hope springs eternal on opening day. Anything is possible, and some of the predictions that we made in in years past. Certainly shows that we thought anything was possible. <laughs> uh, I did not go back and read and listen to like every single one that we did, so I can't give an exact number. But I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and say that our success success rate is probably like fifteen percent, maybe. I'm trying. I'm trying. I don't even remember my bold predictions. If I'm being totally honest. Oh yeah, I don't either. I just know that my I, I my my prediction in at the beginning of the 2019 season I said Peter Alonso would win Rookie of the Year and he did and nailed it. I, Excuse I me, like, Pete Alonso I felt like won Rookie of the Year. I don't know who this Peter individual is. At the time, he was still Peter Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, occasionally we we get things right that probably are pretty obvious. Um, but it doesn't take the fun out of it that we're wrong most of the time. Um, I think we are all surprisingly optimistic this year, I gotta say. Um, Don't we, worry, Steve, I put a downer one in there. Oh, okay, well. I was just like, we've had some predictions in the past, like, this team is gonna be the worst in the league, this guy's gonna get demoted, um, you know, he's gonna be pitching out of the bullpen by the end of the year. This year, not so much, just a little bit from Lucas, but, and I wouldn't call us a, a necessarily an optimistic bunch, but, we kind of kept it in line here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing but sparkles and rainbows right now. So I give it maybe a week before we are complaining about how these teams suck. But at least we're not complaining about how much Vegas sucks at 1 that's, o'clock in the morning. That's true. I mean, ultimately, everything always comes back to that. All right, so we all made three predictions, some... A little mild, some a little spicy, some nothing was atomic hot, really. Um, so does anybody want to volunteer to go first with one? I'll start with a nice uh, optimistic one. All right. Matthew Allen is the consensus number one in the system by the middle of the season. Not at the end of the season. By the middle of the minor league season. You know... I uh, uh, agree because I think I already had him number one. I think so, you did. Yes, I'm on board. But yes, <laughs> I already have him penciled in as one in my top twenty-five for next uh-huh. year now. So I just think he's just going to dominate. Like yep. it, it might not even be because of anyone else being bad. Like it might just be because he's real good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things. He oh, looks he's, great. He's like, he's absolutely going to be dominant. I mean. Think about it. if Harold Gonzalez can almost win the pitching triple crown in Brooklyn, That's what can Matthew Allen do? <laughs> I think I think mine. Not that I want set in, to set in order here, but my first one was very much in line with this. I had Allen as a top thirty prospect uh, global. Yeah. 
by the end of the season. That that would be one unless some crazy shit happens. But no, uh, well, I mean I think if he's performing well enough to be a top prospect in the system, I, I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, like last time we saw him, he was dominating people with a good fastball, really nice curveball. It's, it, it, it's it's about as prototypical of prep pitching prospect as you could want. The only thing he's lacking is the the super high end velocity, right? And I mean, look at Jacob Degrom. You could develop that apparently, right? I mean, <laughs> if, if there's something that you can learn with just strength, right? Like velocity might be it. Um, and that's obviously different person to person. Uh, yes, he's. I think he's real good. Yeah. It's, I'm very excited to see how he um, looks this year. And you can kind of, um, I think, I think to to also support this argument is the idea that he would be higher now than he currently is had we had an actual season, right? Like this is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have been the the normal timeline for his rankings progression, basically. Um, but we didn't have actual data, so everything was more stagnant than usual. So I think it's possible that he's actually already the 70th, 80th best prospect, and and the gap from there to 30 isn't as big as people think. So he's currently number 79 on a baseball prospectus's top 101. Oh, okay, there it is. So and we have like no information on him really to speak of other than you know a few looks uh from the end of the 2019 season um i don't think it's a stretch to say that he could easily on on talent you know given the lack of information and everything he could be maybe around 50 right now yep mm-hmm. um and then you know performs a little bit in front of full season you know talent and uh yeah, no, I think that's pretty reasonable. Optimistic, but but reasonable. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not like expected. I don't want to say not expected, but it's optimistic because that's also, a lot. Also runs right into. Uh, should we just do all of our Allen? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, might as might as well. Yeah, so I I, I think that Matt Allen's going to pitch in Double A this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh-huh. I agree. So with Brooklyn that. is advanced A now, and. Um, I just don't think there's any way he doesn't get, you know, dominate to the the point where they have to move him up. You originally said AAA, and I actually think that's true. Also. No, no, yeah, I, I basically I, I thought if this wasn't spicy enough, I'd, I'd bump it up. <laughs> I don't think that's unreasonable either. Like, like that's definitely optimistic, but I could see him dominating Double A for yeah, a little bit. And, coming right up and part just of how i'm to... thinking about a lot of this is i just kind of treat it like algebra you know you fill in an outcome for what the missing year was and you mm-hmm. see where that puts you now like if he went to savannah or not savannah wow old cut wow. he went to columbia oh, savannah oh the sandass baby season <laughs> and shoved there um you know maybe he ends up in advanced day by the end of the 2020 season and yep. then he's just also these know, levels are different. Jump now, away. As said a yeah. times. Exactly. So he's going to be in high A. If he pitches well enough there early enough, maybe he gets the double A um, early enough where he can make the next jump too. 
I kind of want to be selfish and I don't want him to pitch in double A at all this year. I want to see oh, him in. You're so close to, yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn the whole year just because I want to see, you know, a, a bona fide, genuinely really talented, really high end, good pitcher pitch a whole season in Coney Island. I you know what's going to be really fun? I can't honestly recall the last guy, like the last real legit top prospect pitcher guy that yeah. that spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. Especially before, it was just hard that um, it was just hard to keep guys there because of the it was like kind of an in between thing and it was a short mm-hmm. season. I guess the last greatest, the, the greatest pitcher I guess I ever saw in in Coney Island was when I went to see uh, Jason Vargas's rehab start. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I, I saw Noah Syndergaard there a few times. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I've seen lining him up against the Staten Island oh, Yankees. Against, yes, the Staten Island Yankees. Yeah, but Jason Vargas. I mean, come on, he's Jason Vargas. I can't wait for when it's like thirty degrees at night in April in Brooklyn. <laughs> And he has to like, and he's pitching, and these poor kids are just like miserable trying to face Help. him. Like everything hurts as soon as you make contact, and you barely make contact anyway. So he's just gonna, man, he's gonna shove there. And also partially why I'm selfish and I don't want to see him go. Oh, no, because is... we, I don't want to go until like June. <laughs> it is is um, my old. prediction is going to be that. The Brooklyn Cyclones are going to win their second straight championship, and they're going to be the inaugural High A East champions. And I need Matthew. okay, so if they win that, I need the T-shirt. Oh that hell says, yeah! Uh-huh. Like Northeast, Northwest, Southwest. <laughs> oh no! Like like <laughs> it's going to be incredible. The patch High on the side A of the helmet, on the East, side of the hat, is going to be the whole thing. Man, I, can't, I can't wait till uh, Kanye West's kid goes becomes a professional baseball player and Northwest <laughs> is playing in the Southeast East West division. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's uh, on first? <laughs> but I mean, there's going to be that that team is going to be really good. I mean, we said yeah. that a couple of years ago about Columbia, and and that didn't really work out. But this is also going to be like almost a super team, and Matthew Allen will be a big part of that. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, and Matthew Allen, they're all starting the year. In JT's been coming in. Three at, uh, team, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I didn't even factor him in, but yeah. That's I would three, assume he starts there. Three guys right now. Ginn might mm-hmm. be added. That's another top ten prospect that would be added in. And then, you know, P. Crow Armstrong and Francisco Alvarez, they're going to be in St. Lucie. And Jake, Jake Mangum's there. There's a, there's a good chance that they get promoted. And then, yeah. You have a lot of guys that performed well last year are coming back. Uh, Antoine Duplantis, Jake Magnum, Matt Mangum, Joe Genord, Luke Ritter. I do that all the time. I know. When he was um, first drafted, I read it as Magnum, and I was very disappointed when I realized <laughs> I was incorrect. Me too. Me too. Jake Magnum, come was... on the show. <laughs> Friend of the podcast. <laughs> Pitching might not necessarily be a strength for that team after Allen, but... Coney Island could turn anybody into a good pitcher, so really we don't really, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And I think that a big difference between like this team full of a lot of good prospects and the 2019 Fireflies is that the manager Ed Blankenmeyer, uh, we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's longtime manager of St. John's Baseball, 
great record. Um, and just, you know, he, as a manager, he's spent his entire career coaching, you know, kids like 18 to 21. So he knows like the psychology that comes with that. He knows, you know, how to just deal with young kids that he's going to be managing, which, you know, sometimes other managers, uh, maybe not so much. So you heard it here, Brooklyn, high A East, East West champions. <laughs> All right, who has uh, our next non-Matthew Allen-related? You want to just go in order, like that we just yeah. went in? Yeah, sure, sure. So mine is that the Mets minor league system as a whole will have a combined winning record. Um, I don't think that it is a typically good minor league system, but like I could see Binghamton being a good team with no prospects on it, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. they'll sure. be like they'll be like a good Double A team with no one really to write home about major league wise, but they'll win 85 games because it's just a bunch of dudes who'll win at double a, you know? So like I could see them doing stuff like that where they'll win a lot of games across the board, but the prospect system is kind of whatever. Like the, the prospect pool is still all the guys in the, mi- in the low, low minors who are just coming up and all that stuff. But I think Brooklyn is going to win a lot and I could see St. Lucie being pretty solid. And I think Binghamton is a dark horse to be a, contending team even though they don't have really any type of like major league talent on it except ah, for like so Vientos the you know what I mean are going to be a dark horse I see ah oh, I didn't even, I did that totally by accident <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so like I, I could kind of see them just being a competitive organization even if they don't have the best minor league system because that doesn't most sometimes one doesn't equal the other. Like you could have a bunch of top prospects and the rest of the dudes are terrible and it doesn't matter. So like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope so because that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, obviously I, I'm going to track it. I'm going to add up the stuff every, like I'll, tr- I'll track it every month and be like, how are the records going? The, the fans need to go home happy. And we, as people recapping every single game, <laughs> it makes our lives much more enjoyable and happier when, Oh yeah. There's a few, we, Wins there was a few teams where I'm just like, bro, you're like 30 and 90. I don't want to recap this game. <laughs> and it's just like, yes, they got lit up again. <laughs> they couldn't hit. Be back, come back next time. In 2019, when when like I was doing the reviews of season reviews for uh, St. Lucie, they were, I was just like, I don't even know what to do. I feel like one of the highlights was the season was like the stadium lighting on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that team was really bad. Yeah. One of the highlights was that they ended the season early because there was a hurricane coming. So it's like, well, one of the highlights is that they I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. So, yeah, it's much, much, much more enjoyable when the teams, even if they don't have, like, notable players, if they still just win. We like I mean, winning baseball. One of one of my recapping highlights, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, is Aaron Laffey giving up, like, 12 runs in three innings and retiring in the postgame. <laughs> <laughs> like... And in Vegas, no less, because so it was like 1 a.m. And I'm just like, did this man retire after the game? I'm going to head out, guys, and go hit yeah. the box. You have fun. <laughs> he said, oh, that's what it's like? Goodbye. It's like, well, I wasn't sure or not if I still had it. Clearly, I don't. <laughs> I know now. I'm out. But, yeah, that's that's, I think, maybe my boldest prediction, just because there's a lot of whatever teams. But I could see them, like, 
Like that Brooklyn Cyclones team wasn't necessarily filled with prospects, but like those dudes know how to win and they win baseball games, even though like Jake Mangum isn't like a superstar. Like he's going to win games in the minor leagues. So like that is what it is. He is a uh, proven winner. I mean, it's I hate that stuff, but like he has all that intangible stuff that I don't know how to figure out. All right, uh, Lucas, what is your next prediction? So, time, should, what, should I do the negative one now or save the negative one for the, the last oh, round? Oh, do, do it last. Do it last. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's not ruin things now. Okay. so We want to end I, on that note. End on me being a, a Debbie Downer as usual. <laughs> okay, so my, my second positive one is that uh, Jordani Ventura is going to be a top ten prospect in the system by the end of the season. Um, so I think... Uh, post, post, um, uh, Lindor trade, uh, uh, the back of the top 10 kind of opened up a lot. Um, and like currently I think it's Palmer, who I also like a lot and considered make, doing a bold prediction about him. Um, but, uh, to be a little bit spicier, I wanted to find an IFA that I thought would break out, and I'm very intrigued by Ventura. It's a good shout. Yeah, like, um, to be clear, he's probably not the kind of he, – he, he's not uh, – I don't want to ever call any of these very far away guys not high ceiling because any of them could get like a velo spike and become high ceiling. But he's probably not that. Um, but he has reasonably good control. He had some really cool uh, trackman numbers when he reached uh, uh, Kingsport. That was as a 19-year-old before COVID. So the, the, the arrow was pointing distinctly up. Uh, uh, before the shutdown, um, Fangraphs is, disagrees with me a little bit. According to Eric, he got some less good reports uh, when he was doing background, um, but uh, I, I still think there's a, a foundation here for an interesting, like mid-tier, middle of the rotation starter, um, someone who already has full season experience, someone who has some interesting stuff data, and, and really most of these like. IFA, but I think ex-IFA is going to break out. Most of the time, it's just kind of hunch-based, if we're being totally honest with ourselves. Um, so, that's just the way I'm leaning with it. I think he'll be he'll be something notable by the end of the season. Fair. I don't even think you're wrong. I, like, that's bold, but it's also very much in the realm of possibilities. I mean, it, it's helped by the fact also that the Mets still do not have a particularly deep system, so... Yeah. Right, like the back of the top ten is going to be fungible. Um, there are a couple other names that merit mentioning in that discussion too, like Robert Dominguez. Any of the outfielders, like could be one of those guys. I think, but but I chose Ventura. I'm going to jump in front of you, Ken, for a second here in this round because my prediction is very similar to Lucas's. So I feel like lumping them together makes more sense. If you don't mind. Oh, no. By all means. Ken's going to rage quit off the show because of this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my prediction is that Elian Nunez is going to be in our top 25 prospect list in 2022 next year. He was um, a guy that the Mets signed this past June. So he's a 2021 uh, IFA and if you guys recall, the Mets did not sign anybody for a million dollars or more. Everybody were everybody was uh, six-figure values or less. And we don't have the exact numbers 
yet right now. But I mean, he's possibly uh, even a five-figure bonus guy. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Ben Badler from Baseball America, he always has the uh, the the insider hookups for all things international free agent related. And in his previews, he was saying that you know when the Mets are looking at him, which is I guess at this point like two years ago um, because of COVID and everything. But he was sitting like the high 80s. But now the pitch sits in the low 90s, and it's been clocked as high as 97 when he really, you know, airs it out. So even wow, if you take I didn't a, know that. Even if you know. take a few grains of salt with that, you know, deduct a couple of miles per hour, uh, a 16-year-old that sits low 90s and maybe can hit, you know, 94, 95, that's still definitely really good. Yeah, that's something. And he's 6 yep. to 170, so there's still room to grow and, and fill in and – just, you know, mature. And then he pairs it with, um, like a, a power, uh, upper seventies power curve that has a high spin rate, uh, tight break. I haven't seen any clips of that pitch. I have seen the, the fastball. You do, it, it, it has some pretty good arm side movement. Um, and also I like the delivery that he has. It's like all arm. It's very explosive though. So. You know, the team might be able to get some more velocity out of him in addition to growing from just kind of refining the mechanics and everything. Yeah, I mean, 16 years old, that's the time to fix their mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a college guy who's been throwing this way for years. Look, if you're 16 and throw mid-90s, <laughs> you're probably making it on the 25. <laughs> All right, well, well, my question is, who has what team has Wilmer Font currently, and how soon can I trade Elliot Nunez for Ooh, him? Good idea. That's, let's find out. <laughs> but yeah, that is a uh, that is a thing that he's pitching in the, the KBO. So all right, we're <laughs> trading this guy to the KBO for Wilmer Font. Let's trade go. him to the Landers. Yeah, where's that big L? That's an and L. Not had a good start. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not being as bold as Lucas here, especially because there's just so much more uh un- unknown about Nunez, but I think that he will end up on the top twenty five list, probably in that twenty to twenty five area. Because there's you know, like like he was saying before, there's just so much um fungibility in that in that in that yeah. uh zone. I mean this year that that group of players is Sam McWilliams, Adrian Hernandez, Stanley Consuegra, Andy Rodriguez, Jordani Ventura and Riley Gilliam. Andy is already gone. And those four other guys, you know, could either go up. In in Ventura's case, hopefully he goes up to the top ten. Or those other guys might just come off the list completely. So Nunez is super young, you know, and the and the odds that he even plays anywhere other than the DSL are extremely slim, but there's a lot to like and with the thinness of the system at the bottom there, I think you can make the case. It has big, we put him 25 because he's the most exciting young guy vibes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has, has big, uh, Steve sticks him in at 25 to make his bold prediction come true. And we're just like, it seems uh, like, oh, remember who was right last year? And we're like, oh, damn it. This guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, you found my plan. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I feel, I, I think the one that did invent that kind of thing that we did start doing was Ken. So, Ken, go ahead and give us your last prediction. Uh, so, uh, it's actually about a former 25th best prospect ah, in the I system, see. uh, for that very reason. 
Uh, I think Francisco Alvarez is going to be the best catching prospect in baseball uh, by the end of the season. And um, the main reason I think about, I think that's true is because all of the guys ahead of him already have big league service time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, are likely to graduate. Um, so Adley Rutschman doesn't have big league, big league service time, but he's already in double A and I think it would be pretty egregious if, um, he's healthy and he doesn't make it to the big leagues this year. Mm-hmm. Like who else do the Orioles have? Pedro Severino and, um, who the hell is their other dude? He's been there forever. The ghost yeah, of no, Matt Weaver. No, neither should be a reason to not. No. <laughs> Have uh, Adley Rushman on Chance team. Cisco. He's still there. Uh, I think so. That wouldn't surprise uh, me. After Rushman, there's uh, Joey Bart, who was 29th on uh, Baseball Prospectus's top 101, and he'll probably be. He, up. I mean, yeah, actually, maybe he, not. he got time last year, and but Posey is a like pretty safe the, bet. To Posey's been so he'll... good. I wonder if they just keep him down all year. Maybe I'm I'm willing to bet that he ends up. Uh, at, at least graduating. I don't know if he'll yeah, be there all fair. year, but he's already got you know. some time. Uh, he presumably doesn't need all that much more. Uh, then there's Louis Camposano from the, um, the Padres. He's already he up. He already has big league service time and is already up. Uh, then there's Kybert Ruiz, um, who might be the most challenging to, to overtake because he doesn't really have a clear path to playing time, uh, with the Dodgers having Will Smith and, um, Austin Barnes. Um, but I think Alvarez might just be better than him. And uh, same with the guy after him, Shay Langeliers. Langeliers? I always thought it was Langeliers. I always thought it was Langeliers as well. Like the Stephen King book. Regardless, I, I never really bought into him being all that good. And I no, think, me um, neither. A pretty good showing in full season ball, you know, could easily... I agree. Shoot Alvarez up lists. So it's that it sounds crazier when you say it than because mm-hmm. when you put it in the thing in the in the group chat that we have, I was like, oh boy, that's that's a hot one. And then you explained it, I was like, oh, actually, that's not at all. Like yeah, that's totally everybody, believable. Everybody who's like clearly, clearly better than him at this point in time is going to graduate, and you know, there's two guys who he yeah. could theoretically be better than. There are a couple other hot catching names I could see getting into his tier as well. Diego Cartaya is an interesting one. I had another name prepared for this, and I've it, it slipped my mind. But I, I don't think it's as outlandish as it sounds initially. Yeah, like like Thomas just said, when you lay it out and you give the exact like formula almost for him to get from where he is to being the best catching prospect in baseball, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. All right, let us go now. Start round three. Our last projection, uh, prediction. Excuse me, Thomas. My last one. I think this is a little bit of a hot take, but that the Mets system as a whole gets bumped nationally after this season. And the reason why I say that is because so much of their talent is so young that now that we'll start to see them play more, that if this kind of takes everyone being good, obviously, but. Also having a strong draft, because they pick at 10, and you could conceivably get someone good. Like, 
I could see them getting some love in the national section if like a few of their IFA guys pop and if some of our other predictions come true, like Alvarez becoming the best prospect, catching prospect in baseball and Allen popping so much that he overtakes like a Mauricio and all them, he would move up into probably the top 30 and um, other things like that. So it's kind of, this is kind of a culmination of all of our takes. If all of them come true pretty much, then I could see them being like maybe a middle of the road system instead of a bottom tier system, which I mean, if they're a middle of the road system at the end of the year, I'm overjoyed at how this has gone <laughs> so far. You know what I mean? Like perspectively speaking, that's great. So I'm not saying they're going to be top 10, top five in elite system, but I'm saying like I could see them getting a little more love because more of the players that we look at and we're excited about are getting more just they're playing and they're, they're starting to be put out in front of everyone. Although to be fair, the the ceilings of some of the players that are yes. on in the team, if everybody, let's say, performed well past expectations and all of the players popped all at once, it could be a top five system. Why not? It could. Like that's the talent in the realm of there. possibility. Yeah, yeah. The talent like, is it, in theory. It could get crazy, yeah. For sure. It'll be fun to see because it's like almost like a big mold of clay right now that we don't really know what it is yet because all these kids are like 18, 19 that we talk about. And um, even Allen is young. Even We talk about him with such security. He also looks like a 40-year-old soccer He does, dad. yeah. <laughs> he does. He, he straight up looks like he should be in the majors by now, like physically and in his face. He but he's young. He should be running accounts for like Bear Stearns or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really yep. does. So it's, it, it's just – it's – that's my biggest prediction, I would say, is that they get a little more love nationally. Well, like you're saying, for that to happen, everyone needs to pop. And Lucas, I think that you think someone might not be... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this this one isn't going to surprise many people. My, my <laughs> prediction is that Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a disappointment this season. Um so, so like I, I, I've definitely had this rant a couple times. This is not a profile I particularly care for. I feel like scout types have a tendency to to see long levers or, or skinny dude playing at a young for being young for the level and not looking awful, and immediately extrapolate that to oh he's going to fill out, learn how to hit, look at how good he is already relative to the to his age. And he's going to be a star. Where in reality, that's a pretty rare outcome, I feel like. Uh, and I, I'm not comparing Mauricio to uh, Ahmed Rosario in terms of exact skills, but it's the same sort of argument there, right? Like, Ahmed was rated highly because young, always young for his level, has this good-looking frame, performed reasonably well, but but just never learned how to hit or hit for power or even really play competent defense um, despite the physical tools. Other than uh, that. Other than that, though, how was, <laughs> how's the player? Yeah. Um, then You're not the, wrong, though. <laughs> there's the idea of, like, Mauricio had, like, a quadrant of outcomes, one axis for defensive outcome, one axis for offensive outcome, and now, since he's huge, he's going to be shifting down the defensive spectrum already, so he's already going towards the wrong side of one of those axes uh, and he still has never hit has never hit for power uh, I, I i think 
there's an assumption that he's going to do those things, and I find that we make that assumption about this sort of player too often. So I I am expecting him to be a disappointment this year. Well, fair. I mean, the, the the logic is there. We might not agree necessarily, but yeah, it is a well made case. I still like him, but if this happens, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, like it's definitely in a big time part of his possibility. I still think he's going to be fine, and I think he'll be a good prospect. But He'd I see be... why you, I see why you think that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you don't have to twist my arm to get me to uh, to see your point of view. Like, I'm definitely like, yeah, okay. If He'd that happens, trade I'll chip play. number one for me if I'm the Mets and I want to make a splash somehow, right? Like, maybe I'll... I also think he's trade chip number one for the Mets. Yeah, because and I don't want to think... move Allen. Yeah, I think that'd be an off season thing to but... the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't want them to do that though yet. Make him keep him at shortstop. If you're going to trade him, you'd rather trade a shortstop than a right fielder. Yeah, pretty true. Uh, if like the 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 name that pops immediately into my head is if in some world Matt Chapman's available, I'm calling yep. Oakland up and saying, Marnie Mauricio. Yep. Guys like that, J Ram. Guys like that. Yeah. Um. Or instead of trading Ronnie Mauricio. Hear me out. Uh-huh. What if they trade Francisco Lindor? <laughs> <laughs> I heard you could get Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario for him. But I, 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 I would I, trade Francisco Lindor for Jose Ramirez. Ducks. I, th- I, I think trade that uh, I think that Andres Jimenez trade value right now is a little bit higher. <laughs> he still Maybe has more not. home. I think he still has more home runs. Yes, than Lindor. he has more home he runs. Does, than he does, but he looks awful. Oh, he, he looks like. He and he somehow doesn't look as bad as Ahmed. Yeah, right. <laughs> they both look just bad. That's rough. It's rough all around right now. Rough for everyone. But I, mm. I trust the twenty-seven-year-old uh, superstar to figure it out more than yes. Uh, yes. Ahmed Rosario or <laughs> Andres. I, I, tr- I trust Jimenez to be like a, yeah. a second-tier starter. Yeah, which is that's fine, that's and I will ceiling. still trade that for Lindor. Oh yeah. All right, well, my final uh, prediction this year is that Thomas Zipaki is going to get called up at some point during the 2021 like season and that he is going to receive Rookie of the Year votes. Ooh. Ooh. Now it's spicy. That's a, that's a, that's a spicy <laughs> meatball. I didn't say he's going to win. I just said he's going to get some votes. That's All still right. spicy. But still. But. Okay, so how do you envision this happening? He supplants Edwin Diaz's closer, obviously. Oh boy. Who's Diaz is a lead anyway, so it doesn't matter. But and if you look at some of the guys that have gotten like that one percent of the vote share in a couple of years past, uh, the bar is not super high. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I think if he just okay. one person to click the wrong name, I'll yep. Ryan Tapera. <laughs> so who's the closest name in baseball to Sapucky? Like that's that's difficult though because yeah. there aren't many. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like somebody will do like a prank vote just because his last name is so cool. Maybe. But Maybe also, need, like, you know, he could who's, come up and strike out like eleven per nine or something. Who is like the yeah, most like a fireman reliever? Who is the most patriotic Polish member of the BWA? <laughs> We often uh, ask this question. Yes, and these are things that we need to know. We don't know his name, but he's a friend of the pod. I hope he's, <laughs> he's going to write hope in. He's, hope he's listening now and get some ideas. But 
Uh, basically, I like that a, one. with Zapucky, it's like been one thing after another ever since he came back from Tommy John. Um, I was watching, I watched a show about one of the greatest of all time, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the other day, and it reminded me of one of like his greatest quotes. And to paraphrase it was Zapucky, just when we think we have all the answers about Thomas Zapucky, he changes all the questions. <laughs> and back when he first came back in 2019, like early on, the fastball was in the high 80s, and that was problematic. But then the year went on, and he kind of shook off more of the rust, and then uh, the fastball at the end of the year was comfortably sitting in the low 90s, you know, touching 94, 95. Then there wasn't a season. And then reports from Coney Island said that he was back into the high 80s again. Again, problematic. And then in spring training and then sub subsequent oh, reports yeah. from the old side this year, he's sitting in the low 90s again, touching 94, 95. His one appearance when the camera was on the Mars on the moon, room. yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't see it. Well we, really, well, we needed NASA to develop their helicopter sooner so they could get 40 uh, feet so. off the ground and give us a better <laughs> angle. But. So, like... He might be the dude I want to see the most. Yeah. Now, even if he's not like obviously a top prospect or anything, just because it's been so long and there's been so many other like so many reports and it's it's like like you were just saying mm-hmm. all the stuff that you were just saying. Like I just want to see it. Like I want to I go to a game or like log on to the to, to the app and watch him pitch and see what it looks like for myself and just be like okay. I know what to expect from him now. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yep, exactly. I'm, I, I, he might be the dude I'm excited to see the most for that reason, just because I don't know what he looks like anymore. And then the curveball, you know, didn't look as crisp when I saw him in 2019. But we know between, you know, yeah. Anthony Kay from a couple of years ago, Franklin Kilame last year, other guys with above average curveballs, yeah, it, it takes a little extra time to come back. And the changeup, he, you know, he added that to his repertoire in 2016, and then he had surgery in 2017, so he never really had much time to develop it. But it did show a little bit of promise in the New York Penn League and then South Atlantic League in in the very limited time that he was using it there. Yeah. So he's basically, you know, a, a fastball, curveball guy. He's a little bit on the older side, and, you know... He also has the injury history, the lack of relative innings. As we've said many, many times on the show, a good compromise to get value from him, you know, would be to make him that kind of multi-inning reliever. Or I was thinking actually, you know, with Noah Syndergaard coming back later in the year, an opener if they want to have Sipaki go an inning or two and then have Syndergaard, you know, to, to limit Syndergaard's innings if they want to Jeez, go. that'd be nasty. Like yeah. if Sipaki's back. And he's good again. Mm-hmm. Have and him open. And here's Cindergard. Yep. <laughs> I mean, um, and you could also do that with like Lucchese and yeah, you could yeah, kind of yeah. get creative at the back end if you need to with guys like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's no you know he doesn't have major league experience, but there's a good fastball, there's a good cur- a good curveball. Um, the left-handed slot is tough for for everyone, um, and you know uh, I think that. I think that he could be a major leaguer, and I think that he can be good enough as a major leaguer in his debut to get some votes. Not I like, like uh, he's not yeah. going to sniff first, second, or third this year. It'll be like tenth or something. Yeah, but the bar is not super, super tough to get. Literally that one vote. So, patriotic Polish writer out there, please do your duty and <laughs> give him a single vote. 
Ken, what is your last prediction going to be? Uh, so I think Brett Batty is going to walk in at least like 12% of his plate appearances. Oh, yes, give me yeah. all the walk gods. <laughs> so we're like, just uh, strapping the rockets a bit to, to him uh, on the pod? Not me. I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah, you hate him. All three of us are going to be hyping him up, and Steve's going to be like, nope. No I'm actually not to not to go on too much of a tangent, but I'm actually interested to see how he does in Brooklyn in MC Park. With that, you with, know, with that park, yeah. Right. The thing he is really he is really good at using the opposite field and hitting for power for the opposite field. So, you know, that uh, the Atlantic wind might not really be uh, uh, stealing, you know, his power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. But it might, Ken, turn, it might turn into a lot of doubles. Instead of homers. Yeah, I think he's just going to hit for a lot of power. And with power comes walks. And um, really impressed me in 2019 when I saw him with the quality of at-bats he was taking. So, I don't know. I see that happening. He was very, very impressive. Yep. I mean, he was out of high school in 2019. and Well, he was already 40, so I guess. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Uh, how many games was he in Brooklyn for? Like six, seven? He wasn't a week? long, yeah. Now, Ken, let me ask a corollary yeah, to this. Do you think he's... The, uh... Go ahead. No, do you think he's going to go like full TTO with it? Like, is it going to be 12% walk and like 28% strikeout? Or is it going to be something <laughs> yes. a lot more balanced? <laughs> no, no, no. I think um, he's, he's always going to strike out a fair bit. I see maybe like 25%. Yep. Yeah, that, I could agree with that. As long as you keep um, it below 30. Yeah, yeah. 30 is kind of where you start getting nervous. And you want a guy with his power to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know? He, he, he'll make back the strikeout stuff yeah. with, mm-hmm. with the power if he's aggressive and could reliably make that contact. All right, well, you... Uh... You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. A lot of good stuff is going to happen, except for freaking Lucas. Look, I, got, <laughs> I have a reputation to maintain here, Steve. I, I'm just doing my part. I should make you the Will Pondery of the Week, but... Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> but I won't, I won't, so... Um, instead, so Will Pondery of the Week, uh, I'll ask a question. Do you guys, you know, you like barbecues, right? Yes. Sure. All right. So yes. we've we established last week this is a pro hot dog podcast. Um, oh, you you're gonna like, make me crave a hot dog again. Steve. <laughs> you like burgers? You like burgers? Yes. You like well, a nice steak? I have no idea where this is going. Me neither. I'm a little scared. All right. I'm well, always scared when he goes off on the tangent. I have no <laughs> idea where it's ending up. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but in Joe Biden's America, you can't have barbecues. <sighs> you're going there. <laughs> What? I think I missed this news piece. So oh, okay. the, well, the story, one. the story was some nutri- some uh, university posted oh, okay. a study of what would it look like if we only ate four pounds of meat a year. Red meat. Was it like the utopia picture? You know what I'm talking yeah, well, about? Well, no, it's just like what does this look like in terms of environmental impact if yeah. we only ate forty pounds or twenty pounds or four pounds, mm-hmm. and then somehow. That that became Joe Biden's new climate plan. Oh no! What? <laughs> How no did I miss meat. this? 
right? Probably, it, probably it, is, it wasn't actually, but it got into I the guess, yeah. Fox News ecosystem of Joe Biden wants to take away your meat. And then you had a bunch of Republicans posting pictures with like 24 ounce steaks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw those. Okay, so I saw the big steaks and then being uh-huh. like, you can't take my steaks. And I was like, I'm not looking into this any further. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was probably the right decision. I was just like, I don't care enough. This is obviously stupid. Uh-huh. Because so, I, I I remember there was a picture of some of the steak. The, the steak was, like, bigger than the plate, and they yep. were just like, let's go. And I was like, go where? Okay, I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, though, so, the, be- the the most appropriate way, according to the God King, of eating a steak is well done with ketchup. No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Well done. I do like a well done steak, but ketchup. What? Uh, uh, oh, I can't with the well done steaks. I, it's not for me. Medium rare, baby. Steve, please tell me you're joking. I'm. I'm not joking. If it's not brown inside, I'm not too happy. I. I feel like I knew you, <laughs> and, and that feeling is gone. You think yeah, you know a person? Listen, I don't put ketchup on it. At least. Okay. Let it be known that we on this podcast do not know Steve's view on steaks are his own and not representative of the views of this podcast. <sighs> well, good thing Joe Biden is taking away all of our steaks. Uh-huh. So we don't want to have to deal with that. This so Steve mockery. can't ruin them anymore. Oh. <laughs> well, if anyone has uh, any questions or comments, whatever, about my staking and habits... You can email us at fromcomplex2queens at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and do so there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SaidMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast or wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. With a, a fully reinvigorated from Complex to Queens because there will be <laughs> a minor league season for the first time in like two years. So it's a beautiful thing. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs> <laughs>